This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, March 1st. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village changes direction on Climate Action Roadmap. Eyes to ears with Caleb Eatman. Telluride Yearbook aims to be a snapshot in time and a mountain weather forecast. In 2019, the town of Mountain Village passed a resolution committing to address climate change. It basically established that the town of Mountain Village would um, proceed with identifying and implementing climate uh, measures. So um, identifying access for sustainable energy, performing a greenhouse gas emissions inventory, formally adopting a plan, so a climate action plan, um, and then kind of tracking those measures as we progress through them. That's Lauren Kern, Environmental Efficiencies and Grant Coordinator for Mountain Village, speaking at a town council meeting last month. Five years later, the town has taken those actions, including the Climate Action Plan. Here's Mountain Village Economic Development and Sustainability Director J.D. Wise. The Climate Action Plan outlines 11 strategies and 33 implementation actions to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And that that plan found that if we implemented all of those actions fully, that we would be able to reduce our Mountain Village emissions by over 85 percent by the year 2050. Wise says after running the numbers with Cascadia Consulting, a sustainability consulting firm, Mountain Village would actually be able to reduce emissions by 95 percent in 2050. But the Climate Action Plan is a big document. In order to get all those strategies and actions across the finish line, Mountain Village is working to create a roadmap, identifying priorities and goals to move forward. With this roadmap, we set three, five, and ten-year emissions reductions targets, and then each of those targets have associated actions with them. So that's all in process. That's the the goal of the, the roadmap. Um, And then within that, we have focal points um, taking into consideration economy, social, and environmental factors. Um, With that, we are doing a cost-benefit analysis of the high-priority actions so we can understand not just what the greenhouse gas emissions reduction is, but how much it could hypothetically cost the town and then evaluate it that way as well. Over the past several months, Mountain Village has been working to develop that roadmap, working with consultants, getting feedback from the community. But now... It's shifting direction a bit. We are proposing that we will go back and update our 2019 greenhouse gas emissions inventory and essentially complete a 2023 emissions inventory. Um, And then we would essentially recommend making some some level of updates or amendments to our 2020 climate action plan. So I don't envision that we're making broad strokes, changing actions across the board, but I think that we want to be sure that if we're updating this inventory, that our climate action plan is reflective of that updated inventory and we're prioritizing appropriately. According to WISE, the shift comes after new insight regarding Mountain Village's greenhouse gas emissions inventory. The 2019 inventory said transportation has a smaller influence on greenhouse gas emissions than it likely does. I think that we do have better data today than we did when we first developed this inventory, where we can make some more accurate assumptions around commuter transportation, for example, and those emissions. And furthermore, there are things that we can do as a community to influence reductions in um, in those in those emissions. 
you know, namely building affordable housing that's con well connected to public transportation and getting cars off the road and getting people closer to where they live. So we do feel like at this time it would be appropriate to perhaps broaden our scope uh, as it relates to how we're calculating our emissions inventories um, and specifically as it relates to transportation. So staff is going back to update the 2019 greenhouse gas emissions inventory and the 2020 climate action plan. Mountain Village Town Council still hopes to adopt a climate action roadmap later this year. For the last year and a half, Telluride High School's Caleb Eatman has been gracing the airwaves with eyes to ears, where they describe pieces of art from local galleries to you, the listener. Today, they take their swan song. Good evening, listeners, art enthusiasts, and locals who are just waiting for their afternoon scoop. Welcome to what is unfortunately the final episode of Eyes to Ears, hosted by none other than Caleb Eatman. We will not be describing art for this episode, as I believed it would be best to end it off with a reflection on the show, my reasons for quitting, and what will happen going forward. Spoiler alert, not much. Two summers ago, I was at an orientation where only a handful of kids like myself just got situated with our school. At some point, Julie, a wonderful member of the Kodo station, had visited us in offering of a spot on the radio station to talk of whatever we wished to. And in an act of courage that must have appeared from thin air, I raised my hand in volunteer. Some talk, some papers, some throwing ideas against the wall, and I decide to make this about describing gallery art, despite being a teenager who looks at comics, manga, and online fan art as my artistic experience. Some episodes were then made, some friends, family, and peers then find out, only for me to realize that I had somehow cultivated a fan base. It still boggles my mind in a surrealistic way I still can't grasp. This continues throughout my sophomore year and my summer break following that, and that's probably when I had the most fun with it because I had nothing but freedom within that time. Now, those of you who had nothing but time on your hands and have listened to a good amount of my episodes would recognize that during this junior year, I have been bringing less and less episodes out. This would be understandable, as I am now working at AHA, and there would just be the general stresses of life. And now I've decided to end the series for that very reason. I am aware that what I had was a great opportunity. And I will remain grateful for the journey it took me on, both in strengthening my lackluster writing and voice acting skills, and in exposing me to wonderful art pieces, mediums, and creators. I love that I had this, but now it is best we let it go. Let it be known that I will always be connected to art after this, no matter what. 
I will still draw. I will still observe others' art. I will still think about art. For that is humanity's unanimous obsession. And for those of you who enjoyed listening to my understanding of these pieces, I hope you can carve out the time to go to a gallery yourself and observe what catches your eye the most. You don't have to get it. You don't have to sew poetry into every pattern. You just have to feel something for the creation itself. Now this is the end of the last long episode of Eyes to Ears on Kodo. My name is Kayla Beatman, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Just five weeks in the ski season calendar remain, and then it's on to off-season, summer, and the never-ending churn of the Telluride calendar. As the seasons change, so do many of the faces we see around town as folks move on to another gig, school semester, or home base far away. Longtime local Simon Perkovich has embarked on a project to hold back this never-ending churn. KOTO's Gavin McGough caught up with Perkovich to discuss the project and brings us this report. Perkovich speaks first. It's a heartbreaking feeling. It feels like all the things I love in this town either die, sell out, and move away. And that's the main reason I really felt moved to make the yearbook as quick and as fast as I could. I'm with Simon Perkovich in O'Bannon's. It's unexpectedly lively for 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, and we've ducked into the green room off the stage, a little closet perfectly decorated with flaking paint and old record sleeves hung on the walls, worn to fuzzy cardboard at the corners. Simon called me up and said he was working on something, which would be of interest to the Telluride community. But I'll let him break the news. I'm making a yearbook this year. Telluride yearbook. We're going to do it seasonally. We're going to have a, a winter yearbook so you can all you kids at Big Billy's can take something home. A summer yearbook. And then by the end of it, we're going to have a full yearbook that you can buy. Perkovich says his project is a sort of counter to that heartbreaking feeling of change and disappearance, which he describes as quintessential to growing up in this town. The number of faces who move on from this community, leaving no trace but the unresolved memories in the hearts and minds of those who stay behind, says Perkovich. I just wanted to do one thing for the community. I wanted to take a picture to say, you know, we were here. Currently, the Telluride Yearbook is an Instagram page, which displays chaotic scenes from Telluride nightlife, a potpourri of random community events, and portraits of recognizable local characters. But Perkovich insists he wants to someday see it through to a physical copy. He grew up near Big Billy's and saw the turn of seasonal workers. A lot of times, people's one year or few months here in Telluride are life-changing. They're revolutionary and they're magical. Um, I want them to have, you know, a little more than just a Polaroid. 
The project, despite its ambitious goals, actually began as a joke, Perkovich says. Oftentimes, if I'm at the bar, I'll see a local that I, I've hung out with before. I know this person, but I don't remember their name. And I'm too embarrassed to ask. And once I finally do ask, I find that they often have the same embarrassment towards me. Then, the punchline. I always finish this little name game we play with. Ah, oh, well, someone ought to make a yearbook. Perkovich's emphasis on seasonal work gives me momentarily the wrong idea. Do you want to mix in some locals, too? Oh, yeah. No, I'm. it is primarily locals. Um, but I, I consider the Billies, any kid, person who's here to work a season, I consider you a local. The long-term locals, they're, they're so prevalent throughout the book, it's not even an issue. <laughs> cool. And he says, in true Telluride fashion, town dogs will have a page of their own. If you see Perkovich out on the town, be sure to smile, strike a pose, and savor the moment. Individuals who test positive for COVID-19 are no longer recommended to isolate for five days, per the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines. The CDC updated its COVID recommendations on Friday. The new guidelines state individuals can get back to, quote, normal activities when your symptoms have been getting better overall and you have not had a fever for at least 24 hours. The CDC still recommends taking added precautions for five days, including masking, physical distancing, and testing if you're around others indoors. Crafters, entrepreneurs, slow food makers, and aliens come out. Camp V is hosting a craft fair and its annual Out of This World Planet V Festival, and it's looking for makers who would like to fill a booth and offer their wares. Branded as a bazaar for the bazaar, the festival is looking for unconventional and offbeat offerings, whether that be art, jewelry, foodstuffs, or something truly beyond. Space is limited, so email stay at campv.com with your business page or social media link. The bazaar takes place during Planet V Fest, which runs Memorial Day weekend each year at the refurbished Hip Camp and Historic Hotel in Natarita. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's oldest son was arrested on Tuesday. Police in Rifle said on Facebook that Tyler Boebert was charged with four felony counts and more than a dozen other charges after a recent string of thefts. Representative Boebert is a leading conservative voice and has received significant attention over the last year for her own and her family members' misconduct. Boebert is running for Congress in Colorado's 4th District. A group working to protect reproductive rights in Colorado is traveling the state collecting signatures to get a measure on this year's ballot that would put the right to abortion access in the state's constitution. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Lisa Young has more. Ballot Initiative 89 seeks to protect abortion from governmental interference and require insurance companies to pay for abortion care. I spoke with a volunteer for Coloradans for Protecting Reproductive Freedom during a recent Adam Frisch campaign event in Delta. Frisch, a Democrat running for Colorado's 3rd Congressional District, encouraged attendees to sign the ballot initiative petition. 
We're collecting signatures to get an, an initiative on the ballot to require insurance companies to provide reproductive care, including abortion. 124,000 signatures need to be collected by middle of April. We're shooting for 185,000 because, you know, some people, they'll either sign twice or they're not registered in Colorado. So we want to get more to make sure we get that 124,000. Proponents say people enrolled in state health insurance plans, such as teachers, firefighters, and other state employees, should have access to abortion coverage. The measure, if passed, would lift a ban on public funds for abortions. According to Colorado Newsline, approximately one million people who work at public institutions, such as hospitals, universities, and the Capitol itself, would be able to use their work health insurance to pay for an abortion. Opponents to the measure say Initiative 89 seeks to protect the abortion industry and not women. They say the measure will force taxpayers and the government to provide health insurance to state employees to cover abortion procedures, even as many Coloradans struggle to pay excessive out-of-pocket health care costs. For KVNF, I'm Lisa Young. High school students rallied at the state capitol on Thursday for more protections against gun violence. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports they're pushing lawmakers to follow through on a number of bills this season. About 100 students and parents gathered on the state house steps before heading inside to meet with lawmakers. They're especially focused on a bill that would prohibit guns in so-called sensitive spaces. In the bill, those include schools, hospitals, churches, recreation centers, and several other locations. Currently, the only gun-free zones are polling places. Kim Iacchini is a junior at Cherry Creek High School. We can protect a polling location, but we also need to protect my school, like the fields I play soccer at, like the Broncos Stadium. I don't need to show up everywhere I go and wonder if someone's going to hurt me. The bill would also prohibit guns at the State House. Other gun-related bills this session would impose a tax on firearms, increase requirements for concealed carry permits, and track gun sales. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-20s. Saturday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high near 40 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Saturday night, there's an 80% chance of snow showers with wind gusts as high as 55 miles per hour. Three to five inches of snow accumulation is possible. The low is around 25. Saturday calls for snow showers and wind gusts as high as 55 miles per hour. The high is around freezing with a low around 20 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, March 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey there, this is Mary from the Telluride Historical Museum with your Miner's Minute. If you haven't made it up the hill yet this winter season, check out our current exhibit, Festival Capital of the Rockies, 50 Years of Festivals in Telluride. Come and discover the answers to all the questions you have and more regarding our festivals in the Weatherford Gallery. This exhibit will be open until we close for the off-season in April, so don't miss out. The Telluride Historical Museum is seeking a friendly, outgoing, and engaging individual to serve as a Visitor Services Coordinator. The Visitor Services Coordinator works at the museum's front desk and provides all services associated with front desk responsibilities, including greeting and orienting guests upon arrival, taking payment for admission, gift shop sales, answering questions during guest visits, and restocking gift shop inventory. 
This is a part-time role starting immediately, specifically scheduled for Saturdays during the winter season, with opportunities to work more during the summer season. Our 2024 Daffodil Days are almost here again. Pre-sales begin online February 19th. Place your orders early and get a discounted price of $12 a bundle, or purchase them on Main Street at the community table from our regular dates of March 11th to 15th, and up at the museum for bundles in person at the regular price at $15 a bundle. All proceeds benefit the Telluride Historical Museum and the American Cancer Society. A reminder of our hours. We are open for the winter season Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. with last entries at 4.30 p.m. And remember, Saturdays are always free for locals. Kid scavenger hunts are also available, so be sure to bring your littles. Also be sure to check out our gift shop for some items that are on sale. We have brand new inventory including gems, toys, games, and vintage-inspired jewelry and accessories as well. If you have any additional questions, feel free to call the museum at 970-728-3344 or email info at telluridemuseum.org. We look forward to hearing from you. And we hope to see you up the hill on First Street soon or follow us on social media to keep in touch with what's up up at the museum. Thanks, Goto. You're a medium rare. Well done. Hi, this is Douglas Tooley. It's Friday, March 1st, 2024, just prior to the Super Tuesday presidential primary. I'm dirtbag snowbirding on the California side of Yuma, Arizona, in gorgeous 75-degree weather. The political weather from here looks good, too. In California, with an open top-two primary, all three Democrats vying for Feinstein's Senate seat have signed the Green New Deal, and the Republican is moderate. The baseball player is Steve Garvey. In the decidedly purple state of Arizona, the current independent senator, Kirsten Sinema, much in the mold of Joe Manchin, has a 90% unfavorable rating with Democrats and appears not to be running. With a divisive extremist Republican candidate, moderate Democratic Governor Kerry Lake is the early presumed victor. The national presidential match-off will be finalized on Tuesday. Not so positive a forecast. Sure, Joe Biden is a well-meaning older gentleman with memory issues, but Palestine, per international law, is an apartheid, completely consistent with Nazi ghettos, and is becoming now a genocide, consistent with Nazi concentration camps. Apparently, Joe Biden's memory issues include Nazi and South African history. Metaphorically, Donald Trump would kill the Palestinians in the morning while Biden, in spite of all of his American rhetoric, is just giving the Palestinians a cheeseburger and fries before having them killed in the afternoon. While Trump flagrantly and contemptuously ignores the Constitution, it is not clear that Biden remembers that either. We are at risk of the American Nazi ghetto, urban homelessness, becoming itself a genocidal concentration camp with those same political and military technologies. For that reason, the political rationale of the Muslim Michigan uncommitted voters resonates strongly with this politically active disabled American. Although deed-restricted rental workhouse housing in the Tyred region is relatively nice, it is still legally relatively a ghetto. All the talk in the end amounts to nothing more than Biden's Palestinian rhetoric. Little is getting done, and we are likely just getting further behind. Earlier today, the town of Telluride and San Miguel County was to hold a session on Diamond Ridge, now indefinitely postponed. This critical public discussion was to be held in private, 
like also the wastewater treatment plant. One certainly wonders about the memory issues of those individuals, not all of whom are elderly. Oh, and by the way, the latest cost on the wastewater treatment plant is $130 million. Thank you for your time. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. <laughs>